You're listening to Star Wars Beyond the Films, the official expanded universe podcast of StarWarsReport.com. There is a great disturbance in the Force. That's right, Whistler. Welcome back to Star Wars Beyond the Films. This is episode 45, your Star Wars discussion podcast. You can find us broadcasting on Middle Earth Network Radio, as well as on the Star Wars Report website. Our episodes, they're even available right on our own Facebook page, at SW Beyond Films. But enough about how you got here, let's get this show started. I am one of your hosts, the defender of the EU, Mark Herleman, and with me like Pluto to my Mickey Mouse, the EU guru himself, Mr. Nathan B. Butler. Star Wars Tales, woo-doo-doo-doo-doo, not cotton tails or... What was it? What was the old DuckTales song? Ah, screw it. Yeah. Anyway, hey everybody. Hey everybody. We are back, ready to talk about some uh, big news that, of course, you would only have missed if you were living under a rock, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I, I recall when this news broke, uh, William Devereaux from We Talk Clones, EU Cantina, he was the uh, first person I saw talking about it. I was like, totally, totally disbelief. I'm like, okay, this isn't like William to be pulling my chain. What's going on here? You know? <laughs> Like, this ain't right. And then uh, the more I'd see, he's like, guys, this isn't April 1st. (laughs) I'm serious. And I'm like, he can't be serious. And then finally I see someone else who put the link up. And I checked that link. And I just, I remember I'm sitting at my mother's house. My my sister's over there. My niece and nephew. I've got my daughter. I'm waiting for my other two kids to come home. And I'm just sitting there. My jaw's hanging over. And they're like, what? And I'm like, he really did it. And they're like, what? I'm like, Lucas, Lucas sold Lucas film to Disney. He's no longer the man. He's the man in proxy. I was just total dumbfounded moment, man. Where were you when you found out? I had just gotten home from work. It had been a long, long day, part of a long, long week. And uh, I got home, and sure enough, I see that pop up on, like, every single one of the Facebook uh, comments, or not comments, but, you know, Facebook posts that show up on my feed, just, just a straight page, maybe a page and a half was nothing but people commenting on it, or saying something about it just as far as like announcing it. So I was like, well, crap, this must actually be wi- real. This wasn't like Willow becoming part of Star Wars back on another April 1st. This was a holy crap, this must be real kind of thing. But don't worry, folks, if you did wind up missing it, we're going to give you some details here, our impressions on it, of course. And uh, if you have been living under a rock, it's okay, don't worry. You probably didn't mean to. Lucas probably just created those rocks and put them in front of you for the Blu-ray. Edition. But don't worry, if they change the camera angle, you'll be able to see because the rocks won't be there. <laughs> so, to start us off here, here at Star Wars Beyond the Films, we ask the tough questions, questions that have bothered you for a long time, or simple ones that have perplexed you off and on. In this case, a WT something. You ponder about Star Wars, and so do we. This episode, we discuss reactions to and ramifications of the recent announcement of Disney buying Lucasfilm and everything else that comes with it, focusing on the expanded universe impact that this could have. Consider this your spoiler warning, because here we go. That's right. Now, you know, again, this is one of those moments in fandom that just kind of leaves us dumbfounded, you know? I mean... As I said to Riley when we and him were discussing it on the Star Wars Report, this has reset my fandom clock. Like, I'm suddenly looking at all news sources in a whole new life. I got to the point where I was really kind of burnt out on on 
Star Wars news. I mean, it was like I'd go to one or two sites and that would be about it. I wasn't out there searching for extra tidbits that may have been missed by these one or two sites that I rely on. I just was at that point where, okay, I just get my little information and I call it a day. Now, though, now suddenly I am I'm fine tooth combing everything at this moment. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm like, who's got the info? Where's the info? I need to have this info. I mean, this is something that that is is a fun moment for you if you're in fandom. I mean, you know, we've been around 10 plus years. So in a sense, this is not that new to us. I mean, I personally wasn't involved in the Internet side of things when the prequels were coming out. I had Internet connection only at work during a half hour breaks. You know, I, I got home Internet after the prequels had already come out. So so this side of it for me is kind of new. I haven't been able to, to see as much witness, you know, the reactions as they happen. Most of that's been on the EU side of thing. Like the Clone Wars comes out with something that's shaking up the EU. Oh, it's all this guy is falling. You know, these are the moments that in fandom they come. You know, it, it, you either embrace it, you hate it, whatever. They're not going away. I, I choose to embrace it. These are the fun moments. Ride the cycle. <laughs> well, it's funny you put it that way. These are the moments because... From an EU perspective, from someone who has been following the growth of the saga through the expanded universe itself, the official continuity since back, in my case, in 1992, I picked it up about a year after it had started, um, these are the times that try men's souls. I mean, this is not really something that, uh, with all the information that is out there, it seems as though it's not something that the Star Wars EU will survive in its present form. And it certainly does not appear to be something that will keep Star Wars in the uh, the sort of comfortable arenas that we are used to. Now, that may be a good thing. This is definitely a big shakeup for Star Wars, and it has the potential to open up Star Wars to perhaps new audiences. It has the potential for new stories, very different ways of doing things, certainly different creative teams involved in things. But at the same time, you know, the overall impact is something that... You know, we, we tend to over-exaggerate things in fandom. I don't think this is something that is being over-exaggerated in the way that a lot of people are being concerned about it. I mean, I myself, I am both excited and wary at the same time, you know. And I, one of the things we're going to do in this episode is try to hit, you know, what's the impact likely to be on novels, on games, on television series, on comics, and so forth. And really, this seems as though it is definitely a if nothing else, a reshuffling of all the cards in Lucasfilm's deck. Uh, it could very well be a matter of us just changing games entirely. Oh, we were playing poker, now we're playing Go Fish, or whatever the Disney equivalent of that would be. Go, Mickey, go! Now, a couple questions that we're going to run over. The first one is, could this allow for the EU to stand on its own? Personally, I have been kind of waiting for this This forced moment you know i mean we've always been wondering is lucas ever going to do a seven eight or nine he's hinted about it at one point then he said no i'm never going to go there and you know it, it, there's that that the devil you know kind of mentality i mean there's a lot of people that did not like george but now that george has sold disney they're even more mad and i and i was telling riley i'm like i really think that's the devil you know mentality you know they knew what they were going to get and not get from lucas to the extent you know but now it's like this could definitely change how the EU is for us, or if the EU as we know it will continue. To me, I see this as a point where the EU is going to have to stand on its own. It is going to become its own universe. It will be like, in a sense, like the Marvel Ultimate Universe. What's there will still be there, but I could see this being a place where it can now pick and choose from all the elements 
to go with. Now I can, in a sense, do what George has been doing and say, well, you know, Quinlan Voss, I like you. I'm going to take you. I'm going to do with you what I want. But I see this as a good thing. I mean, I see there, there, like you said a second ago, there's a lot of potential right now. And until we get some official statements from Disney, it's kind of everything's up in the air. But I'm trying to see that in a positive light. There's a lot of positive things that they could run with. I mean, you could see the EU as it's been up until 2012 becoming its own entity. You could watch books and stuff continue to add to that genre. And yet you could watch, say, every movie that came out after that doing its own thing. I mean, there are so many options here. But what about you, Nathan? Do you think the EU is going to be able to stand on its own now or do you think it's more doomed? I think it depends on your way of looking at it, as far as what standing on its own means. Um, is it a situation that could result in the EU being considered one continuity and then Lucas's productions and then now these, these other productions being made through Disney and Lucasfilm, uh, would those be essentially separate continuities? Possibly. But I think that's probably a likely scenario. I think it's fairly unlikely that if they go through and start producing things that wind up contradicting previously existing continuity, particularly things after Return of the Jedi, I don't necessarily see them saying, well, we're going to keep all this EU stuff from before the end of Return of the Jedi, but then we're going to dump all this stuff afterwards in favor of something new. I don't see them keeping bits and pieces and going piecemeal, piecemeal with it. Um, yeah. On the other hand, you know, there's already sort of that sense that among some in fandom that there should already be separate continuities and Lucas refers to it as separate continuities right there's his saga and then there's the alternate universe he refers to of all the licensed materials and to a degree that's the approach we're already seeing taken with the Clone Wars where Lucas kind of does his own thing they try to reference the EU from time to time but it's certainly not something where they feel constrained by it and where they have crossed things over and wound up contradicting things well it's up to the EU to have to sort it out so in that sense I've been an advocate for a while of saying, let's have two separate Clone Wars continuities. Let's say there's the original version, and there's this new version that ties in the cartoon series. Or maybe the original version is part of the overall expanded universe, the licensed materials, and then we have a continuity of essentially just the films and Lucas's Clone Wars cartoon series, or maybe the micro-series too, whatever he wants to add in, and have that as a separate, somewhat smaller continuity in terms of duration, but certainly it would allow both of them to be somewhat cohesive. I would hope that it'll be an approach like that, where they would say, here's the expanded universe over here, the licensed stuff, and then here is all this you know, new stuff being created, plus the Clone Wars cartoon series, plus the original films, but in their newest format, Blu-ray, Blu-ray 3D, whatever. Um, but then you mentioned the thing about, you know, we could see the EU continue to grow off of that previously existing continuity. I don't think that'll happen. Uh, the way that it tends to work out, it seems like, is that with, at least so far, when it comes to how Lucasfilm directs the various licensees to produce materials, it tends to be that, you know, whatever is newest is what goes. So, for instance, they pretty much stopped producing any Clone Wars materials that fit in with the original Clone Wars continuity when the cartoon series started. And then it was all about tie-ins to that cartoon series. We had the comic series, the digest series, we had the short-lived book series, and then now we've got pretty much nothing. But they haven't gone back and said, well, now we're going to write something that ties into... Jedi Trial, or Yoda Dark Rendezvous, or heavy ties into the old uh, Republic series with Quinlan Voss and so forth. It's basically been, up. Oh, Lucas is going a different direction. We are now killing this original version of the storyline in favor of this new one. If they are going to be producing new films, perhaps new television series, whatever, I would expect any tie-in materials, any new licensed works, to be coming tied into them. So I would almost see it as 
what you were saying of, you know, maybe the EU stops in 2012 and there's the pre-2012 later, uh, like after post-2012 thing, or maybe even 2008 in some respects with the Clone War stuff. But I don't see them still building on both. I see them essentially building only on whatever is, you know, the newfangled version of Star Wars that they have, which could be good. It means that you could actually see an end of the current EU. It could be a cohesive story and not just continue on and on and on and on and on, not knowing where it's going to end. But, you know, there is that level of concern of what does that do to all of these previous works? You know, does it invalidate them? Does it make them less a part of what Star Wars really is? Does it alter the way people perceive them? Does it does it alter fandom at all? I think that's a big, big question. But yeah, I would expect two separate continuities, if not three, depending on how they deal with the Clone Wars stuff. But not a continuation. I think the EU that we have been following since 91 is going to end at least in its current incarnation. Oh, I, I and I, I, I hope that's not the case. I, you know, I look at Marvel as example. I mean, Disney didn't stop all the alternate universes going on there. They kept those storylines going. But I think what you're what you're saying here, though, it, it, it kind of goes into the Lucas model. I mean, you know, the Lucas model is precisely what you said. But at the same time, they don't have to stick to that model. Um, and and I guess that's where I'm watching every news feed you know, attentively because it's like sooner or later, they're going to give us some ideas of what they're going to do right now. Like Jennifer Heigl, she, uh, Heidel, she doesn't even know. She's not sure what's going to happen to the EU. I mean, they're all been told that things are con- going to continue as they always have, but it gets down to, well, what's that going to look like? I mean, dark horse, are they now going to be worried that Marvel might take back the comic, you know, because uh, that's all under Disney's roof. Disney owns ABC. They've got the Disney Channel. Does Cartoon Network need to worry about losing it? I mean, these are, are, are things that have yet to be addressed that I know a lot in fandom are, are really eyeballing this situation. But I almost think that, in a sense, you're going to have a fandom revolution. You know, we've, we've done previous episodes about personal canon. But I think in this situation, if they don't get some statements out there soon, you're going to have fandom just saying, you know what, we're going to write our own rules and, you know, those prequel haters, you have the original trilogy. Those of you that like everything, you got the saga. If you don't like the new stuff, well, you only get the first six saga. You know, and, and if the, the prequel trilogy just really bites, I could see people going, well, that, that's its own universe. And it can count the movies in its universe, but those movies count separately. There's so many different ways that this could go until they give you really the statement saying, well, this is what we're kind of planning on doing. I mean, right now, what? We know that there's going to be seven, eight, nine. And supposedly every two years after that, they're going to continue making movies, but the movies will not be based at this point off of any pre-existing EU works, which that alone has people going, well, the EU could be doomed. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I try to stay optimistic here. I mean, because really, to me, I think it, it would be it would be a mistake of epic proportions just to kill the EU. I I. I think if they do that, I think they will really finally discover that the minority of EU fans is not such a minority after all. That, yeah, we might be a minority when it comes to liking everything, but there are a lot more EU fans out there than people really think. Because usually they say Star Wars fans of the films, they count the casual fans. But when we talk about EU, we never count our casual fans. We only count the diehards. And I can guarantee you there's a lot more casual EU fans out there than the film-only fans would like to acknowledge. And I really think that if they do something like that where it kills off what's been there, you're going to see a huge backlash. Not just against Star Wars, but against Disney. And I I really don't think Disney's going to want to go that route. I mean, they, they've always kind of been one that... that while not appeasing their fans, they don't go out of their way to tick them off as well. And 
that that's why I'm just really watching this because it's like, okay, who is in charge that's making the decisions for for the Star Wars end of Disney? What kind of fan are they? I mean, I these are things that I would love to know. Ziano, I would say that I mean a lot of the questions that you raised there early on as far as, you know, Dark Horse, Del Rey and stuff. I mean, that I think is a big part of what is going to cause the reshuffling that gives Disney the ability to make essentially a clean break. I mean, how long will Del Rey be able to still produce Star Wars books? We know they've got plans for quite a few. They've announced plans for quite a few. Presumably the contract will remain in place, at least until this particular contract runs out sometime in the near future. But at the same time, say, okay, well, you know, Disney slash ABC, they own Hyperion Books. Is it possible we'll wind up seeing the Star Wars contract jump over there? You know, there's they they pr tend to produce different books under Hyperion than it than they do than uh, or I guess what's the best way to put it? They produce some books under Hyperion, but a lot of times when they do adaptation books of Disney product lines, they don't necessarily go out through Hyperion. So there's some question as to whether or not this will be a Hyperion thing for Star Wars or not. Um, I would pretty much guarantee at this point Dark Horse will not retain the Star Wars license. There's no way. Not with Marvel being owned by Disney. And you mentioned how, you know, with Marvel they allow these previous continuities to exist. Yeah, but that's sort of a different, different beast. You know, the Marvel Comics line, the regular universe, that goes on as normal because it just is its own entity. Uh, the Marvel Comics Ultimate line goes on as normal because it's its own entity. None of them are affected by the films, which are, in this case, their own entity also, not affected by, say, the Marvel cartoons and so forth. You know, they've done an amazing job with Marvel Studios stuff whenever Disney picked it up. I guess it was after, what, the first two of the six that we've seen so far as far as the stuff leading yeah. up to Avengers and such. But, you know, they haven't had to worry about, well, if we do this in the film, it's going to screw up the comic stuff. No, instead, at best, what we've seen is the Marvel films and really crappy, god-awful tie-ins like uh, like uh, Avengers movie prequel and stuff coming from Marvel comics to tie in. Essentially, uh, kind of like what Dark Horse tried to do and what uh, Del Rey tried to do with the Clone Wars cartoon series where they had some very lackluster direct tie-ins for those. But yeah, I would see Marvel being the ones who are going to be back in again for the first time since the 80s in charge of Star Wars comic book publishing, which would allow them somewhat of a clean break and different creative teams. So I'd love to see Brian Michael Bendis do some Star Wars I was, stuff. I was um, just going to say that. But you got that. You've got, uh, you know, I don't, I'd love to see maybe some Star Wars anime because they did do the Marvel anime stuff connected over with Madhouse, I think it was. That should be that would be interesting to see. But it's between the books and the novels, and plus what they're saying about the, the video games, it seems like clean break is coming. I'm worried about Star Wars 1313. It's supposed to be in development now, but it's supposed to be being made by LucasArts. But what did they say on that conference call? Well, when it comes to Star Wars video games, we actually think we're going to go more for the social and casual gaming stuff. So you're looking at stuff more along the lines of Star Wars Angry Birds and these smaller app-type games as opposed to full-blown games. And even then, we're not going to be talking about actually publishing games ourselves. We're going to be essentially licensing Star Wars out to other companies to make games rather than Lucasfilm producing them themselves. You know, what does this mean for the future of Star Wars games? Granted, it's only been a small trickle lately anyway. But I don't see any other major Star Wars games coming for us. 1313 could be it for a long time if it even survives this merger. I'm hoping it will with all the buzz that it got. But, yeah. you know, for all we know, its fate may still be in flux. They say it's not going to affect any current projects in the works. That gives me hope. 
but there's you know there's a lot of money tied into video games, perhaps certainly more so than is tied into novels, comics, and that sort of thing. So yeah, I, I definitely see a clean break. You mentioned the thing with Disney and Cartoon Network. Cartoon Network only has the rights to air, or it's the contract, whatever you want to call it, the contract between Lucasfilm and Cartoon Network so that they have the rights to air uh, Clone Wars episodes ends after this season. And they're already talking about Disney XD as a place to have upcoming Star Wars animated series or other series. They haven't necessarily said Clone Wars yet, you know, but we've already, already been kind of wary of whether or not this is the end of Clone Wars. Will there be another season? Will there be some type of spinoff or something like that? Because they're well past the 100 episodes they were talking about. Uh, I mean, between the cartoon series presumably jumping networks, between the novels possibly jumping publishers, the comics almost definitely jumping publishers, and the, and the video games kind of trickling down to virtually nothing except for casual games, this is a perfect setup for Disney to be able to make that change. And you say that we've got EU fans being very vocal, and there are so many EU fans out there that it's very possible they would see sort of a fandom revolution on it. I don't buy it. I think that we are still, we are a very vocal minority, but we are still a minority. And enough of us will continue buying Star Wars stuff, no matter what continuity it's in, that if they change it, it won't matter. They'll have so much excitement for these new films, so much excitement for whatever these new projects are, it'll bring in enough new fans to end up balancing out the few people who are completionist or other diehard Star Wars fans who actually give up on Star Wars. Lots of people say, well, with this happening, I'm just going to give up. I'm done with Star Wars. And you know what? 99% of the time, that's absolute crap. They keep going yeah. with Star Wars. They're just talking smack because they're frustrated and have no other way to vent that frustration. So, I mean, even if the most diehard of the Star Wars fans at this point who read the EU were to vote with their pocketbooks and refuse, I don't see this having enough of a financial or a social or a social media impact on Disney for them to change one iota of whatever they decide to do with Star Wars. Because to the minds of those behind Lucasfilm and those behind uh, the films behind uh, Disney, I would argue that it's more likely that their perspective is, you know what, let them go if they don't want to be fans anymore. There's more where they came from. Yeah, and that's always been the uh, the impact from the corporation side. Now, a quick comment on completionists, because that was, that was something that, that struck me right away. You know, I, I'm looking around. I got my daughter. I'm putting on her huggies, and there's images of Mickey and Minnie. You know, now, now we could possibly be seeing, you know, Luke and Leia on huggies boxes and stuff like that. And I think about back when, when I was working at Kodak and I was making some serious good money and I was dropping dime on, on just random stupid stuff. Star Wars art sets that were just lame markers that had a picture with the word Star Wars on them. You know, things that I'm like, why did I buy this? But I, I see I see a flood of marketing materials coming from Disney here. I actually see less if they kill the EU, I see less books and comics and more junk in, in, in that sense. You know, more of the of the knickknacks and things of that nature. And that kind of worries me. I mean, because there is the side of me that's like, ooh, I want to collect things. But then I'm like, you know, do I really want to follow this and collect every single Mickey version of, of Han, Chewie, Luke and everything? You know, I mean, there's some really cool stuff that Disney's already been putting out for a long time. I mean... There, there's that side of me where I'm just like, I, I, you know, this could be the avenue out for a lot of people. But, you know, as you say, I, I'm one of those that, that, yeah, Insider, I was really mad at you. I did not re-up my subscription, but I still run out now. I'm paying even more to get you <laughs> in my protest. So it's like, I, I don't know. The, the way 
fans protest. I, I'm I'm with you. It's like they say, oh, don't buy it. Well, to me, that that was always that was one that never sat well because it's like, well, a, I don't know if it's a good product until I've bought it and read it, and once I've already bought it, and I decide, hey, this is crap. Well, it's too late. I've already given my money, so now, you know, how do you protest? something without just not buying it. I mean, what if it is good? You know, you're now you're just completely hosed and you're sending him a message like, Hey, I don't want to buy your good stuff either. I, so I, that, that's never, that approach has never sat well with me because it never really feels like it actually is giving them the message, but there is a message in that, that I worry about because now with Lucas out of the picture and you've got Disney in control, Disney's board, whoever is making these powerful choices, I am worried that they're going to only be making these choices based on the dollar. And to me, that's never been something Star Wars has done. I mean, get, granted, there has been a side of that, but it's always been story first and then the money. And I'm just worried that they might just be like, you know, let's just uh, what's going to sell most. and Let's go that route. Let's put all our energy into that. And I don't know. I mean, this this could still be a good thing. I mean, maybe the you know, the the EU point two. It's coming forth, and we're going to see it done done differently. You know, I've talked before about an e, uh, an EU George Lucas signature series that kind of was Star Wars the way George meant it to be, not with the blurred lines of what the EU done. You know, all the Jedi are gone. Well, kind of not, but yet now we could have that. Now we could have a full on. No, there are no Jedi after after Vader kills them all. You know. There could be some of these things that Lucas intended that, that get reset, and that could be a good thing. I mean, I, I, I keep going back to Marvel's multiverse model. I never really bought many of the alternate story arcs, but I will tell you this. There are some really good story arcs that have gone down in those alternate universes. There have been some really cool clone stories that happened. The clone story that happened in the original uh, Parker Spider-Man-verse was great. But the one that happened in the Ultimate Universe was intriguing. Uh, you know, we have this, this one right now where it's called Spider-Man, where or Peter Parker of the normal universe crosses over into the ultimate universe where a young Peter Parker has already died and Miles Morales, a young Mexican-American, has taken up the mantle of Spider-Man and these two come together. These type of stories can only exist in a multiverse. And when I think about Star Wars, Star Wars has kind of had a multiverse in the form of tales. We had the tales of ones. We've had the uh, the infinities where we had the the original trilogy done in affinity format. Those were the only thing you're going to get that was the closest to an alternate universe where they and they never did anything more with it. And that always kind of bothered me. I kind of wish that like you know every one or two years they'd have gone back and given us one additional arc to kind of flesh out those universes a little bit more. It, to me, I'm I'm trying to stay hopeful and think you know Disney's got Marvel under their mantle. Maybe someone's paying attention. Hey. This avenue works for Marvel, and it could possibly work for Star Wars slash Star Wars EU. And I don't know. Maybe I'm just I'm trying to just desperately stay hopeful here in a moment where it's definite the sky is falling. Feeling, you know, it, it's without those release statements for me, I have a hard time saying yes. The EU is doomed because there is that that small tiny window, that small little light at the end of the tunnel, the glimmer of hope. I don't know. Call me a hopeless romantic. I, I mean, I just, I don't want to see it die. I've, I've, I've invested. I know many of you out there have invested in it. I don't call myself the defender of the EU just to turn my back on it. Now I, I would hate to see it die. If it does die, you can guarantee there'll be another petition. I, I may even start it myself. The petition of the minority. I don't know what it, what it'll be called, but I, there's gotta be a way to be vocal without just not buying the star Wars products. I mean, that to me, it seems like a lose, lose all the way around. But petitions from the standpoint of fandom seem like they mean 
little to nothing. I mean, the, the petition to say, we need George to start acknowledging the EU and the Clone Wars. Yeah, that didn't go anywhere. We need a petition to make sure that we have the uh, original version of the films on Blu-ray and all that kind of stuff. No, he's not going to split the profit with his ex-wife on that. It needs to be these updated versions <laughs> and such. Um, but, I mean, some several things popped up there. It seems like we're sort of both jumping off of each other and kind of having multiple points each time. It's like mini dissertations that are sparked by the other. Uh, but four points. Uh, as the Russians say, Adin. Uh, boycotts. Boycotts of Star Wars stuff, that's not going to make enough of an effect. You'd have to get a massive amount of people boycotting, and like I said, if we are the minority, that is not enough people to do it, okay? And, and boycotting to make a point because you don't like the idea of your continuity going one way and the films going another, same thing people tried to do with the Clone Wars, I, I don't think that's something that could work. I mean, this is not the civil rights movement, boys and girls. It ain't that serious. It's impactful on something we think is a big part of our lives and, and a good hobby and that sort of thing. Again, if you're letting it super stress you out, you're doing it wrong. But at the same time, as passionate as we are, this is not a major social movement type of thing. Boycotts aren't going to make a difference. Uh, Dva, number two, uh, with Tales and the Infinity stuff, they did some really cool stuff, especially with those Infinities comics, which were great. They're some of my favorite Star Wars comics. But at the same time, you know, I mean, one of the things that they have always said sets Star Wars and its approach apart from all other franchises is that it tries to have one cohesive whole aside from those little oddballs now and then. Um, I get the feeling that, you know, I mean, just, just, just as a guess, if we are going to wind up seeing the EU essentially become an alternate timeline to everything else, that opens the door for more alternate timelines, and that whole idea of a cohesive whole goes out the window. More opportunities for interesting, different exploration of alternate ideas, absolutely. But at the same time, does that diminish what made the Star Wars EU what it is and why it stands out within sci-fi fandom? Uh, three, uh, when it comes to the idea of licensing and crap, you know, maybe less books, less comics, and a whole lot of random crap, I would say that it's interesting because they've said there are going to be less licenses, less licensees when it comes to new Star Wars products. But at the same time, we don't know exactly what's going to happen with uh, with the books or the comics, of course, and we do know about more and more casual games and such. So it is possible to see more and more just Star Wars names slapped onto stuff, but it would seem to be coming through less licensees, which makes you wonder to what degree quality control will be the issue versus the plethora of items out there. But you really probably couldn't do any worse or any more of a marketing blitz of random crap than we saw with The Phantom Menace. So now I don't think even Disney could screw up and blast things out as insanely <laughs> diversified as we saw with uh, the Phantom Menace. I'm pretty sure you could buy Star Wars to toilet paper at the time. Wipe out the Empire! Literally. <laughs> um, and last but not least of the fourth point, Chetiri, as they would say. Um, good news, I guess, is that when it comes to the Star Wars decisions, it seems as though it's all being handed off to Kathleen Kennedy uh, of Lucasfilm, which is a big, big deal because this is a woman who helped co-found Amblin Entertainment. This is a woman who produced tons and tons of films, including, you know, E.T. She produced uh, the three Jurassic Park films, though I don't think we should hold the second or third against her. Um, I mean, she is someone who has had a lot of success in filmmaking, and it seems like Lucas has great confidence in her and her abilities. So I'm not sure that we need to be worried about Star Wars from the standpoint of will it stay true to Lucas's vision to a degree? Will it be something that we still feel like it is truly part of the overall saga of the films and the Clone Wars cartoon series, for instance? I think that kind of legacy is in great hands. 
I have great confidence in her ability to produce something good and to keep the quality level up even though it is now with Disney. Remember, Marvel Studios is now with Disney and Avengers was probably the best, in my opinion at least, the best superhero film ever. And the way they pulled those oh, six man. films together was insane. Not sure about why they're doing an Ant-Man film leading into the next Avengers, but it was phenomenal. So I think the film franchise is in great shape. I think Star Wars as a whole, this could be a new avenue to many new people getting into it, new ways to tell stories. Um, I mean, this could open doors to keep Star Wars alive. As Lucas talks about the idea of longevity and legacy, this could solidify Star Wars' legacy as a viable uh, franchise when it comes to product line, uh, not necessarily EU, but product line, for many years to come beyond just being something people fondly remember. It's the EU that takes the negative impact. But, I mean, I think she is someone in a good position to try to respect the saga. But my question, I guess, comes down to does respecting the saga, especially when it's told from Lucas's point of view, how much does that come down to also respecting the idea of the expanded universe, you know, the idea of a cohesive whole? Because Lucas never seemed to be extremely focused on that aspect of it. Uh, that seemed to be more a matter of Lucasfilm and the licensees and such trying to make it all fit because Lucas certainly run roughshod over it any time that he wanted to. So does Kennedy believe that we want to see more of this EU or is Kennedy of a mind that this is a time for a new start as is, as seems to be the attitude in some of the videos, you know, to uh, to take it back to another Kennedy, not her, uh, we might go back to the idea of you know, ask not what fandom can do for Kennedy Ask what Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm can do for fandom. What are they going to do, either for us or to us, in terms of storytelling beyond the films? I have hope. I'm just not sure if uh, if it's hope that is placed correctly. At least EU-wise. I love the Kennedy impersonation. That was great. Now, on, on respecting the saga with Kennedy, I, I'm of the opinion, yeah, one should respect the whole. I mean, and I look at it like this. Yeah, George might not have respected the EU enough to work with it 100%, but he respected it enough to use it. He considered it a fan fiction, an alternate universe, but he respected it enough that he would at least pay enough attention to it that elements of it found its way in. And to me, that that says a lot. For a guy who did not have to do that, he did do that. And to me, I think that that, that should be their sign that, you know, he acknowledged the fact that there are fans that like that and wanted to see that in their Star Wars too. And they acknowledged the fact that their Star Wars was George Lucas's Star Wars, even though there was another one out there. And, you know, we took pride in the fact that certain elements came up. Granted, we would get all so mad when those elements would then get ruined. Oh, that's not how it went. But that's neither here nor there. My other one was, you know, you, you mentioned, yeah, it's probably going to be going from Dark Horse to Marvel. The sad thing on that is the thought of the loss of Ostrander, Derisma, John Jackson Miller, uh, Taylor, Stradley. Stradley's he's come or go. There's been times where I've been kind of irritated with him, but I've liked some of his stuff, and I, and I felt like his heart's been in the right place. But those are the team, when I think of Dark Horse, those are the names that, that I will definitely miss. But you mentioned Bendis, and I will say this. Bendis puts out the best Marvel comic stories. Every story I have absolutely fallen in love with has had his name attached to it. Another comment on the Marvel side of things, you mentioned the Ant-Man movie. I, I would say the reason why they're probably doing that is because Ant-Man, Henry Pym was originally, or Hank Pym, no, it was Henry. No, Hank Pym was originally one of the founding Avengers, and the fact that he wasn't in the films was a little weird 
So I'm sure that that's probably why they're doing it. Because he was one of the, the biggest brains in the Marvel Universe as well. It was him, uh, Tony Stark, and Reed Richards. They were like the smartest three individuals. And Parker was right up there with them. But those were like the main three smart guys. And the fact that he wasn't there, like, it didn't kill Avengers. Avengers still killed it in the theaters without him. But it was one of those moments where it was like, man, where is he? Where's the Wasp? Because they were an interesting aspect of the Avengers. I, I'm, a, I'm a huge Avengers fan, so <laughs> it was one of those things. But, uh, you know, the cohesive whole, you know, you mentioned if it dies. But, I mean, can we even call it that anymore? And is the cohesive whole already dead and it just doesn't know it? Has it already got a terminal form of cancer in the form of this sale? And we're just waiting for the doctor to announce, hey, you've got like seven months to live. You've got four weeks to live. Uh, you, you've been dead for eight weeks already. I mean, that cohesive whole has been huge to a lot of people coming into this fandom. And so to lose that could be detrimental to the fandom. Now, let me ask a question, because this is something I've been sort of bouncing back and forth, and it's more something that I kind of settled on thanks to the Clone Wars, you know, with my, with my sort of approach saying, you know what, if they were to integrate the Clone Wars, I hope they do it well, but if they don't, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with having two different versions of a continuity for that era. Um, but they need to tell us one way or the other. I think my way of approaching this idea of what if the EU essentially ends and the hole that we have now stops growing and they head off, you know, kind of in a different direction, then, you know, what would make that okay? What would make me and I think other fans perhaps okay with that? And to me, it comes down to just make it clear. Don't make it ambiguous and say that, well, we're going to have you know, uh, these pr materials being produced and these other materials being produced, we're not going to let you know that it's actually two separate continuities at this point. But, uh, yeah, you just keep buying it. Keep buying it. It'll be okay. Uh, it seems to me that the key thing, if they were to end the EU, is simply to announce it. Say, this saga is coming to an end. It's wrapping up maybe with some big, great, you know, final story. And now we sort of start things anew. Something fresh, like Ultimate Marvel. Did... Is it so much a matter of that the concern for you is whether they keep it alive or whether they make it clear? Because I feel like I'm I'm ambivalent on the former, but I think we definitely didn't answer on the latter. Well, you know, in my perfect world, they would keep it alive. But if they're going to kill it, I want the clarity. So much so, I want that. I want them to give us one last book, and they and they flat out say this is the last voyage in this EU as you've known it. And we're going to kill off the big three because, you know, that's something Lucas said he'd never do. Just like he said, he'd never do seven, eight, nine. And if this universe is truly coming to an end, I want that closure. I want to know. I don't care how they do it. If they, if they have to do it off page, but yet we have some character talking about how it happened. I want that closure because, because for me, Luke, the current Luke has always been what I have been enjoying about the EU the most. I mean, there's been so many other aspects and avenues about it, but that's the one I have been just, I, I, if, if his story is going to change and end tomorrow, I want the, the version of him now to wrap up and, and end in its own. But there's the other side of this of, you know, we talk about the EU dying, but technically only the EU post return of the Jedi or, or post, you know, uh, Phantom Menace would really be dying. Everything that came before that, as of right now, there is no reason for me to believe that that has to die, that that can't be worked in. Yeah, but then then you get the, the the question of, you know, well, which stuff counts and which stuff doesn't and what stuff got overridden? I would almost rather him just say it, it's all one or the other rather than being, you know, 
uh, well, we're going to take this early stuff versus the, the latter stuff, kind of like with the Clone Wars. Well, well, we'll just split it where Anakin gets his scar and is a knight, and we'll squish stuff down and squish stuff forward and slot the uh, cartoon series right there in the middle. It'll fit, and then they start making other changes that, that leaves it uh, up in the air. I don't know, because this is this has sort of opened up the door again on the whole idea of the so-called lost episodes. We know that when Lucas first produced Star Wars, he would only refer to it initially, at least in public, as being one film. Because you never knew if it was going to go well or not. That's why they had Splinter of the Mind's Eye written as a low-budget sequel concept if they wound up making a film sequel, but the film itself wasn't spectacularly successful. He now says that he, well, now, I guess, uh, as of maybe a month before now, uh, he had been saying that, well, he only planned six films. It was always a saga of six. But in between, of course, we know we had the nine. That's probably the most famous description of the saga. Up until the point where he said there were only going to be six, he had said it was three prequels, three what we now think of as original or classic trilogy episodes, and then three sequel episodes, seven, eight, and nine, which now they have announced are going to happen based on the treatments that he has passed along to Kennedy. But before that... There were apparently not one, but two different film plans. I only learned about one of these thanks to a blog post by Jonathan Rinsler on the Star Wars blog. Uh, two plans of 12 films. I knew about the one where Lucas had talked, I think it was in Time Magazine or something like that, about having 12 films with A New Hope being the first one. So you would have the classic trilogy, the sequel trilogy, and still two more trilogies after that, at that point. However, Rinsler points out another very unusual plan that was shown uh, on that Star Wars blog. If you just go to, to, to Star Wars blog, or what's the, the web address to this? The official Star Wars blog, it's Star Wars blog, all is one word, dot starwars.com. It's a post dated October 30th, the long winding and shape shifting trail to episodes 7, 8, and 9. He points out that at one point, Lucas's 12 film plan essentially had. A New Hope, The Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi being episodes 6, 7, and 8, with a the prequel trilogy being 2, 3, and 4, with presumably a fifth sort of one-off story or connection story in between those, and with episode 1, a different episode 1, being a prologue to everything else. Though it kind of makes you wonder if that's what Phantom Menace essentially was going to be, and instead of having... An episode one that doesn't quite seem like it fits with two and three like we have now, we would have had Phantom Menace as that prologue and then another story of an older Anakin to tie into two and three a little more directly, maybe stretching out the events of three. But then after Return of the Jedi, you would still have a sequel trilogy, seven, eight, and nine, which I guess in that point would have been, what, uh, six, seven, eight, maybe nine, ten, eleven, I suppose it would be. And then there would be sort of an end cap film that would be a concluding episode. So, prologue, prequel 1, 2, and 3, a bridging episode, a classic trilogy 1, 2, and 3, sequel trilogy 1, 2, and 3, and then a conclusion. If that's the case, who knows whether they might go back and try to tell a story bridging the prequels and the classic trilogy in film, because at one point apparently that was part of a plan, and perhaps we'll even see something set before The Phantom Menace, because a prologue was something that at one point was planned. They talk about movies every two to three years or so, and... You know, even after 7, 8, 9, they said they want to try to make, what, 8 to 10 different Star Wars films? 
live action films, yeah, presumably. They made it sound like it was going to continue on and on. I was like, whoa, that could be cool or that could be ugly. I'm not really. I, I, I lean on the side of any Star Wars is good Star Wars. Yeah, it's, just, it's interesting that they sort of open this up where we can't even say for sure that what we're dealing with is nothing but post-Return of the Jedi stories. We could be looking at things even earlier. My biggest hope, though, as far as, as new live-action productions is that thanks to ABC and its insane amount of cash, you know, the ability to buy uh, Lucasfilm for over $4 billion, which I got to say, Lucas saying that he's going to spend most of it on philanthropic pursuits to try to help in the realm of education, like with this George Lucas Educational Foundation, the Edutopia stuff, really is a heartening thing, kind of doing what Bill Gates has done. I'm actually part of a program right now that Bill Gates is sponsoring, uh, the LDC uh, module type thing for teaching. But to be able to take that money that they have and their connection with ABC and maybe actually be the ones to make the Star Wars live action series a reality, or maybe make another spin-off cartoon series on Disney XD that is of the same quality level of the Clone Wars when it comes to the animation, but maybe something set in a different era, different characters, something original, whatever, maybe in the live-action live series done as animation. I mean, it opens up the door to a lot of different possibilities. And hopefully, we'll have some really good creative people behind it. Because th there's, there's those who say that the thing that's been wrong with Star Wars for the last decade or more has been George Lucas. That he was the one who wouldn't let someone be the brakes as he was heading towards the wall, and that's why we got Jar Jar. That's why the prequels were CG fests. That's why Anakin's fall was sort of compressed and condensed and sped along in Revenge of the Sith, and you kind of need Stover's novel to get the most out of it. That's why the Clone Wars starts out somewhat cutesy. That's why the Clone Wars clashes with previous continuity, etc., etc., etc. Constantly, Lucas is being blamed even though he's the one whose vision should be guiding Star Wars because it's his saga, for being the one to sort of take Star Wars off the track that it was on and sort of muddy the waters to a degree. You know, maybe these people are exactly what we need. Maybe it's like that song, right? Uh, the uh, Star Wars you used to know. Maybe they're right. Maybe, you know, let your friends direct your movies and they'll turn out better. This could be a golden age of Star Wars coming. We're just too paranoid to see it. And that, that's a perfect comment because that was my next question was the Lucas vision. You know, should they stick to it or should they do their own thing? Technically, they have the right to do their own thing. They could, in theory, kill Luke in the next episode. I mean, the sky's the limit on what they can do. I mean, do you do you say go with George's notes or just nitpick off of George's notes the things you want but do your own thing? Or do you think they should focus on George's notes and, and add their own ideas. Wh which do you think they should do more heavily? Stick to Lucas or just kind of pick off of Lucas? I think they should take the approach that was taken with uh, Empire and Jedi and with Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. Have somebody else be there doing some of the writing, if not the majority of the writing. Just use kind of the story beats that Lucas himself has created. I mean, there's a lot of storylines in the Clone Wars cartoon series where the writing and the pacing of it is significantly better than we saw in any of the prequels. As much as I love, for instance, Revenge of the Sith, the writing in the Clone Wars cartoon series is sometimes quite a bit better. And that's because you have storylines and plot points developed by Lucas being handed off to Filoni and company, and they create something even better out of it than perhaps Lucas himself would have done. Uh, you go back to, what, the 70s? where Harrison Ford was quoted as having said, you know, uh, George, you can write this stuff, but you just can't say it. 
Well, kind of at the same time, if you look at the prequels, particularly episode one with Yippee and Are You an Angel? George, you can write this stuff, but you really shouldn't be saying it. Let someone else polish it. The, again, it could be a great thing to have him taking a sort of secondary role from the standpoint of story treatments and then going off into retirement as long as Star Wars doesn't become unrecognizable. Yeah, and that, I think, is the key. You've got to be able to recognize it. You know, it's something, our, our next episode, we're going to be talking about Star Wars Night Errant, and, and it gave me hope. You know, I, I'm really worried about the Dark Horse thing. I really like Dark Horse comics. Why? Because of Star Wars. That's what got me hooked on Dark Horse. You know, but that's not where it ends. I like a lot of other stuff on Dark Horse. But we've got John Jackson Miller has actually wrote Star Wars novels. He's got two of them now. It's cool wait, in that aspect. Wait, wait, How does he have two? He's got Knight Errant, and then he's got the uh, Lost Tribe of the Sith. Oh, yes. I guess you could call that a novel. I was I was getting confused. I, cause I, it's I guess on my bookshelf. I'm considering it. Anthology. Well, okay, yes, technically. But I got my anthologies with all my novels on my shelves. Yeah, that's right? true. So do I. <laughs> I mean, that always throws me off when people call the tales of books anthologies. I'm like, isn't it just a book? Or like, <laughs> But yes, in the, in, the, in the strictest sense, yes, you're right. But it gives me hope because he's – he may find himself now in the Dark Horse camp and slowly be outside of the universe that he was working on. But because they let him write a book, books, anthology, however we want to word it, he's got that avenue. And it would be kind of cool if they could do the same thing for, say, Taylor, for uh, Ostrander, you know, may maybe throw some cover arts to Derisma. You know, I mean, I, I just that I think is dis disconcerting for me. To see these these people that have worked so hard for 25 years, well, not all of them 25 years, but that company for 25 years helping the Star Wars brand, doing great things for the Star Wars brand, it just it, it it's sad to think that they might not be part of that anymore. It'd be cool if they could find ways to you know, especially the ones that have been you know there through the thick of it, to give them a spot to continue to contribute. You know, and knowing that John Jackson Miller has been writing more books, hopefully he'll continue on that route. I mean, I I love his stuff. I don't want to see him no longer contributing. And that that I think to me is a big fear is is the loss of of the contributing people that add to the thing I love. I mean, there is a lot of good things that can come down. You know, like you said, you know, maybe George stepping off the side could be the best thing. Uh, I I honestly I, I truly believe that there is a part of me that really believes that. You know, I. I I've thought before the Clone Wars would have been doing a lot better if Filoni had more control and George just had more throwing ideas out there and less control himself. This could be heaven for me in a lot of ways. But, you know, there is that whole, is the EU doomed hanging over my head? It's got me worried. But, you know, that it comes down to that clarity, man. You, you, you hit the hammer with, with the Hydra spanner. Just send it right through the board. It went flying out the other side. Perfect. If they can give us the clarity, I think that that's what everybody needs, especially right now. The longer they go with this, the more people are like, what's going to happen? It's, uh, the sky's falling. Chicken Little was right. I just saw the Millennium Falcon. It crashed over there in the plaza. Oh, look, there's a Star Destroyer. No, it's a Super Star Destroyer. Oh, Oregon's doomed. I mean, there is a lot of we're all going to die going on here in fandom. And, you know, I, I'm trying to stay positive, and yet I, I understand where so many people are coming with, I, I it's dead, It's I don't see it happening, and I get where they're coming from, but until I get those official words, I'm going to continue to stay positive that that it's not all doom and gloom, that there is going to be a lot of good things, and there are a lot of good things. I mean, think about the aspect of Disneyland, all Star Wars. You know, you got Calif California Adventures. Imagine Star Wars Adventures, just an entire Star Wars land. 
I mean, it, it might be easier for you because you live over close to, to Florida and you've been to Disney World, I'm assuming. I, I, I don't know 100% on mm-hmm. that. Years so, ago, so, before I moved here, but yeah. But but I've only been to Disneyland once and they didn't have anything for Star Wars. They just had Star Tours. You went into that and that was all your Star Wars stuff. But, you know, I see pictures of Disney World and I'm just like, oh, they got all sorts of cool stuff. I want that. That That is, for me, that is the most exciting avenue of this whole Disney merger is the thought of a Disney theme park all star wars <gasps> celebration what celebration at, at that theme park every year that would be just epic yeah it certainly has potential with what they keep talking about about star wars presence at the disney theme parks that would be pretty cool albeit a lot of uh, trips to take i still haven't even gone to see the new star tours yet at this point but uh but yeah, at the same time that it would stink to see some of the people leave Star Wars or not get a chance to write more Star Wars because of ties to Dark Horse if it were to jump, you know, or you know, or Del Rey as the case may be, there are some people that, you know, came into Star Wars after the last time things changed. You know, had it not changed from Bantam to Del Rey, we may not have seen Matthew Stover. We may have not seen novels being done by John Jackson Miller and so forth. You know, there are some really good authors who were introduced after the last big publishing change. Although I would also make the argument that there were some pretty decent ones that crossed over, like Aaron Alston, for instance, eventually making his way over to Del Rey as well. And then you got people like Timothy Zahn, who made their way across to Del Rey, who did great things under Bantam, and until uh, Scoundrels, most of his Del Rey stuff sucked. So, you know, it's a question of, you know, who's going to be carried over? Where is the talent going to come from? Are there going to be new faces involved? And what is the approach those new faces are going to take to Star Wars? We, of course, won't know the answer to those things for probably a very long time to come. This Episode 7 is slated for 2015, so we're probably talking about, you know, what, 2016-ish at least uh, by the time it's actually out, given the way that these projections tend to work. You know, and, and that gets us to our last point here. How has this impacted your fandom? Nathan, I'll let you roll with that, and then I'll uh, wrap it up, and we can move on. I think overall it's kind of shaking it, not shaking it as far as not wanting to be a fan, just not sure what comes next. I'm not sure if there's a whole lot of a point of continuing the Star Wars Timeline Gold or my From the Star Wars Library video series, if it's possible that the EU itself is going to become significantly less relevant in the near future. Uh, I'm still a fan of Star Wars. I still want to see what new things they do. I just hope they do it in a way that is respectful to what has come before and respectful to the fans, even if what that means is we are going to separate this out into a separate continuity and take things in a new direction. Being honest and open on an intellectual level about it, I think, is what needs to be done. Otherwise, I am hopeful. I'm just a little wary of what happens in the near term, both within fandom and within these publications from different companies that may wind up seeing their licenses disappearing soon. Well, I've said it before, I'll say it again. For me, this has hit the reset on my fandom. I I got to a point where when it came to the internet side of things, I wasn't doing as much as I had been. And, you know, things have started to got a little stale. Now it is definitely like someone's hit the reset switch. Suddenly everything is new, everything is bright, the colors are vibrant. I want to know more. My curiosity is peaked to a whole new level right now. And I and I think about when I first got into Star Wars, that's that's where I was. I wanted to know more. I wanted to know more about everything. And, you know, I got to a point where it was like, well, I don't need to know more. I just need to know the new stuff. And now, now it's it's flipped the script. Anything is possible and I want to know it all. I want to know where we're going from here. 
Um, you know, if, my comment to you, bud, is uh, I, I would continue doing your timeline. I think that it'll continue to be relevant. I think the new webisodes, I think they're going to, even if they decide tomorrow that, that they're going to do something different, I think by the time you get caught up to the end of this EU, there'll be a whole other EU for you to just spawn right into. I I think that fans will appreciate the work you've been doing and will continue to do. I, I really think that there is a need for people like you out there creating the type of content that you're doing. Um, and, and I just, I, I would hate to see that something like this would, would kill a resource like that because, you know, people probably don't tell you it enough, but you know, thank you for all the hard work you have done, you know, and, and it's one of those things that when these things happen, you know, you, you mentioned that it happened with, with Bantam and, and all those, the companies when Marvel switched to Dark Horse and stuff, I, I'm sure it felt like the sky was falling then and we've come through that and we've thrived. And I, I really look forward to thriving with Disney and Lucasfilm for many, many years to come. Quite so, quite so. So, uh, optimism about the future. Remember, folks, you can catch our show at StarWarsReport.com as well as on our Facebook page or iTunes, Zune, or airing also on Middle Earth Network Radio. If you liked our show, be sure to drop us a review on iTunes or the Zune Marketplace, or you can just fire off an email to us. You can email us at swbeyondfilms at starwarsfanworks.com. That is also our Twitter, at swbeyondfilms, and how you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash swbeyondfilms. So, once again, this has been Nathan Butler. And Mark and Whistler. Dude. No, did you not listen to the entire episode? It's gonna be okay. I am putting a restraining bolt on you. He's so worried. Thank you for listening, everybody. And as always, may the Force be with you. And don't quote us the odds. The EU is going to explode. say that can we still call it a cohesive hoe a, a cohesive hole a cohesive a cohesive hoe is that like like <laughs> glue skank a new uh, a new superhero <laughs>